Hi, this is the Pilgrim Family Podcast. I'm Eva, my little brother's Theo, and my mom and dad are Sean and Angela. Hey guys, welcome to the Pure Living Family Podcast. We have an interesting one to talk about today. The title of today's podcast is Balancing Acceptance with Hope. We were having a conversation yesterday in the car. We had dropped the kids off at my mom and dad's and we're having just like a kid-free day. And... I've kind of been an emotional mess lately. I don't know why. Just a few, just Theo's been in a flare. Sometimes it just feels like the stresses of life plus the stresses of having a child with special needs plus like on top of a flare just seem so heavy. So we drop the kids off and then of course we start talking about special needs life. And we were thinking this would be such a great episode on a podcast because we know so many parents can relate. Well, what sparked it is I recently went to lunch with a lifelong friend. We've been best friends since fifth grade. And we got talking about current situation of Theo, how things are going. And Theo had had a rough week or so. So I had mentioned that we were talking about doing stem cells because it's still something we're considering. It's on the docket, something that we do want to do. We just are writing, waiting for the right time for it to, to book it, to basically go. And he posed a question that kind of took me back and made me think for a second. And he said, what is the end goal? What would be the purpose of stem cells? And my immediate response, I guess it wasn't super immediate. There's a little bit of a pause, but I I said, ultimately, we want Theo out of pain, right? Because if his body is in the stress response, which we talk a lot about with Dr. Nathan Wall, if you haven't listened to that episode, please do. But if his body's in stress response, he cannot be in in growth, rest, and restore. Um, There's just not going to be progress made when he's constantly in pain. Right. So it made us think a lot about these conversations that we've had in the past because he brought that up. And my first reaction when and I know that he this particular friend, I know him. I love him. I know it's coming from a really great place, but it's hard not to take it a little bit of judgment, too, because I've had friends in the past close. I would say best friends. I can name two who have kind of said similar things to me in the past years, like. Do you, I had one friend say to me, do you feel like you love and accept Theo for where he is right now? And like, to me, like, I want to say F you, like you have no freaking idea. Of course I love my child. Of course I love and accept him where he's at, but I do not accept that he's in pain. I will never be able to accept my, like wake up every day and be like, okay, this is our life. My child lives a pain a life full of pain, and I, I just will never be able to accept that. And so it makes me angry, and I know that they're coming from a place of love, and they don't walk in our shoes. They don't understand the everyday struggles that we have. But when an outsider 
says something like that, it just, it's hard. So two thoughts here. Number one, if you have, and this is for listeners that don't have special needs kids, we may be family members that are seeking resources to understand more of how to be empathetic and to be more supportive to those families that do have the special needs kids. First and foremost, if you're going to ask this question, do it in the right way and make sure that you are very sensitive to the way that you approach this subject. Because one, there's insinuating accusations that you don't, that the parent doesn't love and accept their child for the way that they are when you're asking them to accept their child. Where it's this conundrum, it's this it's this challenge, and I think the title says it perfectly, is balancing acceptance with hope. Because I think with that question, you're kind of you're kind of weighing of do you accept the diagnosis and do you accept everything that goes along with that? Because I was telling Angela on the drive, I feel like we're grieving constantly. There's a grieving process every time we see a neurotypical kid perform a task that we then question, is my son ever going to do that? A perfect example is riding bikes. Uh, we have some friends that are that do races for um, on, on bikes. And so then you question, will Theo, being six years old now today, will he five years from now, 10 years from now, will he ever be able to get on a bike and have that type of experience? My hope is Yes. Yes. Like, and deep down to our core, like we have a lot of hope, but then there also is this, you know, this part of being realistic and also kind of guarding ourselves and expecting things because it's hard to wake up every single morning and when your child is in pain or when your child has these comorbidities that affect his every single day life, it's hard to wake up and have a ton of hope and also be a real, you know, a realist about it all. Well, and I think the second point I was going to make, if you are going to approach a loved one of that has kids with special needs with this question is, are you telling them that it's unacceptable for them to search for answers for their kids? Because you're kind of, because that's what it feels them. like. Because for me, I think, uh, I feel like my biggest responsibility, my biggest calling in life is being that of being a father. So my job is to provide every opportunity for growth and progression for my kids. That's my job until the day I die. Whether they're neuro neurotypical or they have special needs, it doesn't matter. So with Theo's situation, and I do the same thing with Eva, I look for opportunities for her to grow and develop. But with Theo, it's a greater responsibility for me to find answers. So that's why I've done the research on the stem cells. That's why I've read about the FMT. It's why we constantly work with a team of doctors and we're constantly, constantly researching, trying to get him out of pain, trying to help these comorbid issues that a lot of special needs parents deal with. And when I say comorbidities. Do you want to explain what that is? 
is think of underlying conditions uh, pre-existing conditions i guess would be the proper uh, insurance terminology is like if you think back of when uh, insurance and the health care reform took place pre-existing conditions would basically tell an insurance carrier you already had this condition before insurance co um, coverage took effect so we don't need a cover for this. Or maybe like the root cause, like the root cause of some of these issues, right? So like we know that Theo has methylation issues. We know that he has um, some certain genetic defects that affect his methylation and detoxing. We know that he struggles with brain inflammation. We know that he struggles with, I mean, eating and his um, digestive system, things like that. So those would be comorbid conditions associated with like pandas and autism well and that's what's so difficult about these diagnoses is because here's my son that gets stamped with autism and stamped with pandas and so then people always ask us questions also oh, does what does that mean for his future like is he gonna talk will eventually? he talk again will he be able to go to a mainstream school it's like, we don't know. Like, he's like every other kid where the future is unpredictable. We don't know what he is going to face. We don't know how much he's going to progress. All we know is that we're going to do everything we can to prepare the way for him. And so, one, if you're unsure of how to approach it, just don't. Because yeah. it's, it's offensive. Like, if, if the relationship is solid and you measure it really well and express your love and, and appreciation for how much they do for their child and how much you look up to them for that. That's one thing. Cause I can give you kind of a alternative to that. We have other friends that we spend a lot of time with and they're always complimenting us. Like we don't know how you can do it. And that's another subject. Kind of be careful with that one as well. But these guys, they, you or can, just saying, genuine. yeah, or we have a lot of friends that say, you know, you are doing such a great job. We see the way that you handle things. We see the way that you're constantly working with doctors or constantly being selfless with your time and with your energy. And we see you like those things are so much more well received because unless you have a child with special needs or you just, you truly cannot understand it until you're living it. And so to cast judgment, it feels like it's judgment when you're saying, do you love an, or do you accept your child? Will you be able to accept this diagnosis? Do you feel like you're handling it well? Things like that are just, it just feels like judgment. Well, and I think that's where me and Ange, we've learned the hard way, I think, in the beginning where there has to be the self-care that comes in because you can get burned out so quickly when you focus only on the, the kid and their progress and not on yourself. And I feel like Saturday, this last weekend was a perfect example because we took a day for ourselves. We dropped our kids off and then on Papa's, which we're so grateful that they watched the kids for basically 12 hours because it gave us the time to vent and just be handle our emotions like yeah. by ourselves with 
handle our emotions and communicate with each other, have these conversations without Theo in the background running around or having a meltdown or, and I was even telling Sean, like, I get so sick of my emotions. Like it's a constant, I feel like it's this teeter totter, like one moment or one day I'm feeling so grateful for our journey and like so grateful for where we're at. And I was telling Sean also, like, I feel like we get to kind of live this elevated special needs parents journey. Like I've, I don't know how to say it without kind of sounding a little bit conceited, but I truly feel like we were called to be Theo's parents. Special needs parents live this different type of purpose in their life. It's so, it's just, it's just very different. And in a way I feel like we're learning a lot more about life and about um, like patience and gratitude and surrendering. Like we have learned so much more being Theo's parent than I think we would learn as Eva's parent. But I think one thing that stood out you said that I think is worth mentioning is you said, I get sick of myself. Yeah. So I, I can't even imagine my friends probably getting sick of me. Like my emotions are too much. Yeah. Like because on what I was saying, like one end, I feel so much gratitude and so much, I mean, just grateful for this journey. And then the next day or like today, Theo's crying. He's bleeding. We don't know what's happened. He can't tell us. He's, I mean, and then there's a meltdown and it's like, ugh, shit, I hate this. Like, this is so hard. Why is this our life? Why are we constantly trying to navigate this hardness? And so it's like a constant teeter-totter. And I think it's so important. I even said on my Instagram today, like, it's impossible to live in a space of gratitude in this journey 100% of the time. And so taking those moments like yesterday we were where we were together to complain about some things or it's just so important to feel all the emotions and not stuff them down because they're going to come out eventually. And I feel the same. It, it's almost bipolar where one day you take on the calling and responsibility of being a special needs parent and you run with it and you, and you take this stage to speak on behalf of your child and of those other children that don't have a voice. And then there's other days where it's like, excuse my language, but fuck this. Like, I'm so tired. I'm so exhausted from the everyday struggles of all of this. And you brought up a good point. Like, even just feeding Theo is like a full-time freaking job. Like, He's, you have to follow him around to get food down him. And I mean, that's not even considering his diet and the things that he has to eat or, you know, just following him around to make sure he eats and that he's getting enough nutrients. We syringe a lot of his food because it's so hard to get him to eat food some days. And so like, I think most parents just don't even understand what it takes and the amount of energy and stress it is just to do the typical things like getting your child to eat. Yeah. And I don't want to sound like we're complaining. Yeah. (laughs) The purpose of this podcast is not a wine fest. 
it's just to call the attention of our, the balance of the emotions because you have to give space to both emotions, both sides of that uh, conversation. And I feel like I've learned a lot over the last few years that emotions are fleeting and they're almost like waves where the waves come crashing down and sometimes there'll be a storm of waves that you just have to ride through and then the next uh, storm of waves might be a positive storm of waves, right? And it's it's riding through all of that. And we just wanted to bring attention to, look, we love our son so freaking much. And our heart melts when he does cute things. Like today, he wanted a piece of candy. And he came up to me and panted like a dog um, to give it to him. And I asked him, I said, are you panting like a dog? Because we have fruities. And he did it again. And so there's moments like that, that is just so adorable. And it melts your heart and you love it. But then uh, yesterday he had an epic meltdown after we had gotten back from our day on we the went, lake. Yeah, we went we went boating yesterday with friends, um, like an adult's trip, like Sean said. Then we went to pick the kids up at my parents' house. And when we got there, Theo had been crying because he wanted back in the hot tub, but he had been in the hot tub. And so Nana was telling him no. He had like a 45-minute huge meltdown. And those moments are hard. Like, it's just, and I think that we just want to get on here and say, like, we see you. We see that this is a hard, hard journey. And I think that sometimes, like, I share real life moments on Instagram. And I always get feedback from other parents that are like, thank you for showing this hard moment. Because it's true. Like, there there are a lot of hard moments. But I do think it it makes us see those small things as really, really big, great, important things. Like Theo today, I know this might seem so small, but he came to me, grabbed me, pulled me into the other room and laid down like he wanted his diaper changed and he had gone poop. And so just like that little thing, like him telling me he needed a diaper change was was such a big deal. Yeah. And we just it's it's such a roller coaster of emotions and sometimes it's so overwhelming and sometimes I feel like I'll tell Sean I'm like I'm not doing any research this week or I'm not contacting doctors this week or even taking breaks from like protocols or supplements or even diet, like sometimes those things are necessary. And when you are feeling that way, I think it's so important to honor it and go with it because there's only so much that we can do. Yeah. And it's just giving place to all of those emotions. I, I feel like me personally, I've had a lot of respect for Angela for the last couple of years because she expresses so much of the hard times and at times i would grow annoyed like all you're talking about is negativity but over time i've seen how much that's been received in such a good light um across the globe especially in this network of people is because people are fearful of speaking their true thoughts people are fearful of being judged and canceled uh for 
the way that they think and feel in these difficult circumstances of caring for a special needs individual. And I think there needs to be space for those moments of complaint and um, exhaustion. Yeah. Just express your true feelings. And I think it in turn creates more acceptance and more empathy and compassion. Like if I weren't, if I didn't show some of the hard moments or some of the hard things, it doesn't allow space for people to one, even know about it. Two, it doesn't allow anyone to be able to reach out for help. For example, like Eva has, we have amazing neighbors, but a lot of them see my stories on Instagram. They they know when I'm having a bad day. So they'll reach out and be like, hey, can we grab Eva for the day? Or hey, can we can we plan a lunch to go out for moms? Like if we weren't showing them or demonstrating that sometimes this can be hard, it doesn't create opportunities for connection in those ways. So I don't know. Well, it makes me think of a book I, I read. It takes what it takes. It's on Audible too. Trevor Moawad is um, he's like a um, mindset coach for athletes. He works with Russell Wilson. So those football fans for Seattle, I know he was looking at other contracts going somewhere else. I don't know if he ended up landing somewhere else, but anyway, Russell Wilson works with Trevor Moad and it takes what it takes. Talks a lot about the truth is what, what it is. And he gave the example of like when Russell Wilson threw an interception at the end of the Super Bowl, and he had a hard time waking up to that reality for the next upcoming days. But the mindset coach taught him that, like, look, the past is what it is. It happened. You have the emo- you have the ability to fill those emotions. But now what can you do about it? And I think that is something that I've put into my own mindset is like, yes, you can feel those emotions and you can set aside time to feel those emotions there has to be from that you have to set boundaries okay you have one night or you have Mm -hmm. a week to feel sorry for yourself and to cry but you cannot sit in that emotion for long term it's unhealthy but you do have to have that space to feel those emotions for a period of time so then you can release it and move on totally And I think it's also so important. I know we bring this up all the time, but to find your tribe, find the few people that you can talk to about these things. Like if it's not your spouse or have it be like, I don't know, a parent, a friend, like another special needs parent, I think is most helpful. But just to be able to, just to, have just to be heard and to be seen. Well, and I'm just going to throw this out there. And and those listeners of parents of special needs um, on our website, purelivingfamily.com, there's a a place to put your contact information, email, and our emails on there, purelivingfamily at gmail.com. If there is an interest in getting connected with like-minded parents in this network, Shoot us a message on G- on Pure Living Family at Gmail or on our website. Contact us. Send us some information. 
Angie and I have talked a lot about maybe doing some sort of retreats or some type of get together of parents of special needs. So this could be a starting point of at least having these conversations. And if we, if it doesn't grow to that too, like if you don't have anyone to talk to, please reach out. And I would love to try to help connect you um, with even just parents on Instagram that I've connected with, because I know that there's a lot of parents out there who don't feel like they can share the hard times with family and friends. And that that's really isolating. And I can't imagine not having people aware. Like, yeah. I, I mean, it might not be part of your journey and you're not ready at this time. And I respect that. But if you need to talk to someone, please reach out. I had this thought as we were driving to the family dinner tonight and just popped into my head and it was, we don't choose the crosses and the burdens that we, we bear in life. I feel like we're called to those. And I definitely didn't choose this life. I would have never in a million years growing up wished for any type of um, burden of having a kid with special needs. However, I feel like it is my calling now and it's now my purpose. Um, to step up and yeah, and have that be your calling. I get that. And it's okay to have a little bit of bitterness with that at the same time. Like I hate that this is my calling. For sure. I, I get angry that this is my calling on some days and you can have that emotion allow that emotion to live because if you don't recognize it it will only grow for sure and i think that some parents when they have these feelings of like a hard day or frustrated that this is their life they have so much guilt attached to that and i think i'm i don't know why but i don't feel guilty like i i don't feel guilty for having those emotions of frustration and I don't know how I arrived to that place other than I just know that I've worked a lot over the last few years of constantly surrendering. And I don't know. Do you have can do you have any insight on that? Why don't I feel guilty? And I know it's a good thing, but I don't know how to help parents through that. I don't know. I, I feel like I've wrestled with it a lot where like positive psychology I've mentioned I think on the podcast I learned a lot about it in my functional medicine course it's a it's a new model for psychology where you focus on what your strengths are instead of what your weaknesses are because like the first hundred years of psychology is studying psychosis what has gone wrong with people in um, anxiety stress uh, etc and you kind of highlight those disorders and treating the disorders or positive psychology is, is changing, it's flipping it and it's focusing on your strengths and trying to amplify your strengths. And so I'm trying to bring that into the conversations. Um, so I don't know if that necessarily. Answers so you think question. that maybe I'm, I don't feel guilt because I know that I'm a good parent and I work on affirmations of for myself and know that I'm great in other ways. I think that's a good way of putting it is you're confident in, who you are as a mother loving and caring and you give your you allow yourself space to to feel the negative i don't know just a thought um 
but yeah, we just kind of wanted to bring light to how it's okay to feel, to feel these, have these moments of frustration. Yeah, this is where I am today. I accept that this is our calling now. I am mad that this is our calling. I'm angry that this is where we are in our, our life, that this has been put on Theo's shoulders and ours to overcome these, these um, outbursts, these um, pandas flares. But now it's our calling. So I cannot rest on the negative. I have to, I have to feel what I need to feel and then move on. And I think to me, that's acceptance. Yeah. And we love, we, I think it's obvious that we love our children and we love Theo no matter what. We just, cons- we just work hard for him to be out of pain. We just, we don't know what the future holds. And our end game, as Sean's friend asked, is for Theo to be pain free. That's our end game. Whether that still have him be nonverbal or still struggle with some of these things, that very well could be. But just to have him be pain-free, that's our end goal. And I am very grateful for everything I've learned thus far. I just hope the path forward eases up a little bit. (laughs) Please bless. (laughs) But I think that's a good place to end the episode of this week. Uh, Please make sure to subscribe feel free to reach out to us. Like I mentioned before, we love connecting with those people that this impacts and helps. Hi, this is the Pure Reading Family Podcast. I'm Eva, my little brother's Theo, and my mom and dad are Sean and Angela.